You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. Today's message is an audio conversation with Michael Pearl entitled, Jumping Ship. This is part four of four. Yeah, we have one question from Mr. Pearl, but you also have a book called Yell and Tell that deals with preparing your children and protecting them from abuse too. So teaching them. To yeah. Be, yeah. Just you want to explain that a little bit? Because that's yeah, we uh, be helpful. Of course, we've gotten, as I said, many letters, and so what we do is we respond to the the major needs that arise. And one of the needs that has arisen is with the recent advent of the computer and the cell phone and the availability of pornography, many, many, many so-called Christian parents, fathers, and sons have gotten involved in pornography, and that will lead to homosexuality and to child molestation. And so we've had women write us and say, my husband has been touching my daughter inappropriately. What should I do? Or I think he's touching my daughter inappropriately. Or my daughter cries when he goes in the room. He shuts the door when he goes in, won't let me go in, or something like that. And they've asked us what to do. And we've explained to them how to get evidence against him, go to the law, and have him put in jail for 20 years. And uh, I thank God we've been successful in getting a number of fathers put in jail who were molesting their children. The Bible, Jesus himself, provided a different cure. He said it was better that a millstone was hung and he was cast to sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. But the law frowns on us tying millstones around the necks of fathers who molest their children. So all we've got to do is to report them to the law and they are put in jail. So we wrote these books, Yell and Tell. Uh, they're colored, the children's books with children's drawings, brightly colored, uh, written in poetry form, short little books, I don't know, 25 pages or something. And they're there for you to read to your four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, eight, nine, 10, 18-year-old. And it encourages children, if someone touches them inappropriately, to run and yell and tell. And uh, many people have bought these books and read them to the children, and we've gotten uh, quite a few letters from mothers who said, I bought the book because you wrote it, but we needed it. We needed it. But when I read the book to my daughter, she said, I want to tell you. I want to yell and tell. And she yelled and told on her brother or her cousin or her uncle or some man in the church or the pastor or the nursery worker or someone else, and the, the, the daughters just never knew that it would be appropriate to yell and tell. And when they find out that they're encouraged to do so, that the blame doesn't fall on, fall on them, it falls on the perpetrator, then they're ready to come forward to put a stop to that sort of thing. All right, we have a question from Mr. Pearl, so go ahead and ask yes. your question. Yes, Mr. Pearl, it's, it's uh, a pleasure to finally speak with you. I've been reading your books for a number of years. Uh, we appreciated all the biblical teaching you've been able to, uh, to give to us and guide us. Uh, my situation is uh, rather unique. 
Uh, I was saved. I got born again about 20 years ago, but I was living a very sinful life. I lived in New York City, but got born again, wanted to devote my life to God. I went to the Catholic seminary. I was raised in the Catholic home and discovered uh, that the Catholic Church was uh, had many wicked things going on behind closed doors. Um, I had uh, more respect for some of the street people that I used to hang out with and some of those in in the institution, but um, still was, didn't have uh, anyone to mentor me at that time about what it means to follow Jesus, to be to trust in His work on the cross alone. Was still very uh, works oriented. So to make a long story short, I, I did join an Amish community. I was an Amishman for 15 years, married Amish, uh, was wholehearted, legalistic Amish. Um, had fellow church members couldn't stand me because I was more Amish than they were <laughs> to some degree, but. Uh, Anyhow, I ended up having to leave. Uh, we were excommunicated because uh, I caught my uh, 14-year-old hired boy molesting my 7-year-old daughter. And um, to make this story short, uh, because I uh, had cooperated with the authorities, uh, my minister, my bishop, had instructed me to just forgive the boy and take him back to work. And uh, that's when I began to realize that there's something very wrong here. Of course, I let my parents know. Uh, they were very distraught and upset. Um, I have a father who uh, is not uh, very kind towards um, people who hurt his grandchildren, and uh, there was there was some action going on. But anyhow, um, one of the one of the ministers uh, had realized that this was an issue that they couldn't just sweep under the rug. Um, so we went to see the social worker there in town. Um, but I think, looking back on it all, they were just interested in protecting the boy. They could care less about my daughter. And uh, anyhow, the first thing they did was bring in the police. So in a roundabout way, God still worked to expose this. And because we cooperated with the authorities, um, we were excommunicated. Which it's, really not as much about, it's really not as much about protecting the boy as it is protecting the reputation of the Amish yes. church. Exactly, because even my bishop tried to go to the authorities and try to tell them that they had no business meddling with this or whatever, and the officer in charge had come to my farm one day and said that, uh, you know, that he's about ready to arrest him if he interferes because he's obstructing justice. It, it just was a mess, but um, the Lord has been good to us. He's delivered us out of there um, and given us a, a new start in life. Uh, my question is this. Um, we, you know, my wife, who was born and raised Amish, by the way, by the way, would give you her testimony that if it wasn't for your wife, Debbie's book, Created to Be a Help Me, she probably wouldn't be with me today because just about a month before this all happened, she had got a hold of that book and, and read it, and her words just came to her mind throughout that because the Amish church, at least where I was from, they had no problem splitting up a marriage. Um, I was kind of looked at it as well, you know. I wasn't born and raised, so I'm no good anyway. I was never really one of them, but uh, they didn't want to lose a daughter of the church. So they tried to work on getting her to, to leave me and stay Amish. Um, so I just want to you thank your wife for her insight in that book because she helped to save our marriage. And uh, But my question is this. We, we have been excommunicated by our family. We've tried to, to go back on a few occasions um, to just... Um, speak with them, let them know that, you know, we still would want them as a part of our life and everything, but uh, they've treated us um, at arm's length. That's a very uncomfortable situation. Um, and 
now we haven't been back in about three years, and we do correspond through letters. Occasionally, we have we have never corresponded with any of the other families, but uh, they're passing hints to the children, you know, that they want to see them, and and uh, I just feel like they're trying to. They want to excommunicate us, but they want to also um, have access to the children, and I don't know if that's going to be too confusing for them. It's been about six years now since we've left, and the children are older now. The, the older children still do remember um, being Amish, but it, the memories are fading. And I don't know what you would suggest uh, that I should do in, in this situation. Well, I can't really know what you should do. Be true to the Word of God. Be true to your own heart and spirit. And, you know, the Amish and Mennonite, Jacob Amon, Simon Mennonite, in their origins were persecuted severely by the status quo, by the church, by the state, and uh, as were the Anabaptists, you know. And they they developed their doctrines of nonviolence and passivity uh, as they, you know, if you read Martyr's Mirror, which I'm sure you have, you know, the number of people yeah. who were, were put to death and were willing to die. Well, the Amish have lost that willingness to suffer persecution for Christ today. Oh, they'd be ready to put their head on a chopping block, but many of them are not ready to give up something as simple as their community for the truth or to give up their position in the community to take their stand for Christ. Many of them will accept false doctrine rather than to be bold like Peter and believe the Word of God and the Word of God alone. So I think they need to go back to their roots of uh, Christ and Christ alone uh, and not let some, not let the state uh, or a religious body, including their own, stand between them and God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay, I tell you, I've got to take a three-minute break, so I will be back. I'm going to pause for station identification here. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right, so if you'd like to dial in and listen to this recording again, you can dial 641-715-3800. That's 641-715-3800, and enter PIN number 89752. If you'd like to write to Michael Pearl or order some of his books or anything, get information, his magazine, you can... That address again is No Greater Joy Ministries, No Greater Joy Ministries, at 1000 Pearl Road, P-E-A-R-L Road, in Pleasantville, Tennessee, 37033. And there's a lot more in this jumping ship book that we're not going to have time to cover. So, well, Mr. Pearl's taking a break. I'll mention some of the things, such as when you, how to keep your children on board. I'm back. Did you hear the hinges on the outhouse door squeak? (laughs) (laughs) I was telling him there's a lot more in this your book than we'll have time to cover. But some of the things are how to keep your kids happy. Don't don't condemn them. Spend time with them. Love what your kids love. Yeah. Don't embarrass them. Ask your children what they like about home. And one of the most important things you say is the sacrifice for the parents to sacrifice their own time to be with the children, to laugh at them playing, and to be proud of their accomplishments and never belittle what they do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, you know, if you're going to win a neighbor to the Lord, you've got to win them to yourself first. If you're going to win a couple to Christ, then they have to see you as a couple and desire what you've got. And if you're going to keep your children, they have to desire to know God like you know God, desire to have God change their life like he's changed your life. And if they're going to want to marry in your circle, they're going to have to look and say, 
I want a marriage like my mom and daddy's got. I remember one time my daughter, when she's about 14, saying, when I get married, I want to be just like you guys. And, you know, there was not a more blessed thing that a kid could say than that. That was a wonderful uh, compliment. Uh, and I knew that we had her heart when she said that. I knew that, that uh, she would always be on our side. And, of course, all the children are today. All of them love us. And uh, if they, they've got in their will, if they die, they want to leave their children to us. I don't have much much longer to raise kids, but uh, they want us to take their children. So that means that they appreciated the way they were raised, and they appreciated the entire lifestyle that we provided for them, and they want to emulate that in their own life. So they're passing on to the next generation what we handed down to them. And by the way, it didn't begin with us. It began with our parents. My wife had good parents, a farm, a farmer, uh, and uh, she uh, chased chickens and uh, pigs and picked sweet, dug sweet potatoes and picked corn and fed the catfish in the pond and harvested them and butchered them and picked up pecans out of the, from under the trees and picked tomatoes and canned. And, and uh, it, it didn't uh, start with her parents either. Their parents were still alive when my daughter was, my wife was young, and uh, they too had that simple farm lifestyle and loved the Lord and went to the local church and went to the local picnics and so it's it's a generational thing that's come down to us from our parents that we passed on to our children, and they're now passing it on to our 21 grandchildren and more on the way. All right, and then as we get ready to get near the end of this call, thank you again for your time, but you say that it's never too late to restore a relationship in your book. You say if you're 80 years old and your son is 60, it's not too late. The same steps are yep. necessary. It begins with one word. It begins with one word, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I did it wrong. I want to make up. I want to get it right. What can I do? What can I do to make it right? Where did I go wrong? Tell me about it. Talk to me. That's where it begins. And so I was going to ask you to talk in closing a little bit about what happens if a child's already jumped ship and there's tension and problems and blame and the child wants to come home and visit. Or what's the, What steps? You, you talk about the prodigal son. What steps should well, the parents uh, take? You know, you... you we don't need to set ourselves up as judges and executioners of those who've gone astray. I know the Amish Church puts people under a ban, and that is really nothing more than a technique to threaten, warn, and preserve the status quo. Uh, it's not really done for the sake of the person. Uh, Jesus didn't do that. And so if someone has jumped ship and they want to come back for Thanksgiving dinner, by all means bring them back. Now, if they want to bring their... Uh, live-in boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, I would say no, because that would normalize to the children this illicit relationship. I'd say you can come, but you can't bring your uh, adulterous partner, uh, your fornicating partner. Uh, they can't come back smoking or drinking or cursing. Uh, they're welcome back, but they treat the whole family with respect. And so you won't, you've got, to, you've got to be exposed to them and they to you if you're going to win them over. So you want to bring them, you want to bring them around as much as you can, and, and they need to see something that they didn't see before they left. They need to see that the family's happier now, the family's uh, enjoying each other, having fun, and they need to say, wow, I wish you'd done this when I was young. Uh, I'd like to come home and be part of this again. And you may have to say, no, 
uh, we'd like for you to move close by, and uh, we'll we'll communicate with you and everything. But uh, you know, you're 21 years old now, and uh, you just kind of been tainted by the world a little bit. And I don't think it'd be right for you to come back around your 12 and 13 year old brothers and sisters, uh, be around them all the time. Uh, but uh, you know, get to know the Lord, and and uh, we'll kind of work you back into the family a little at a time. But be open, but don't be uh, don't destroy the rest of the family by being too quick to take a uh, center back into the fold. Okay, so the conclusion is, as you say, to, are we willing to submit our whole lives to God? Is it is a relationship with God more important than a relationship with a family? Is it worth turning a family member away in order to please people, or do we please God and love as it's, it's an awful It's an awful thing to have to throw somebody away, but I'm afraid there are rare exceptions when that has to be done. There, there has to be... I mean, if someone is is totally destructive to the family, you have to shut the door on them. A homosexual, someone wrote me last week and said their daughter had become a homosexual and uh, she wanted to come home for Thanksgiving this this past week and she wanted to bring her partner. And they asked, should we let her come with her partner? My answer was absolutely not. If you do that, you normalize it. You say to your children, it's okay to be this way. And you're saying to your daughter, it's okay. I mean, how do you sit there and be friendly and normal, even if it is your daughter? Joe, you have any closing comments or questions? Or anybody else? Not more than I just uh, have really appreciated this uh, discussion tonight. And uh, I don't know, Michael, if you'd ever be interested in, uh, you know, having another um, slot like this or not. But it's been very, very good. And I just appreciate uh, the wisdom that you have been able to offer to us. And, um, yeah, thank you. Sure. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. All right. So thank you again to Mr. Pearl for joining us. And would you close in prayer, Mr. Pearl? Yes, sir. Father, we thank you for your blessings on us. Thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit, for the blood of Jesus that washes away sin. Thank you for all the saints and their love for you and the fellowship of the saints, for your church. Thank you, Lord, you're coming back to get us and take us out of this old dirty world. Help us to walk in your spirit. Bless our children. May your blessings be on all of us. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.